Dave, just start off uh, sharing a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're building quite a bit here, but obviously it took you quite a bit to get here. So curious about looking back in, in the past, and then we can talk about uh, present and future as we move forward. So where should we begin? Let's begin with why do you do what you do? Hmm. I think today, like the reasons are always evolving, but two, two underlying motivations. So one is the, you know, I already have everything. So if you believe in the, the Maslow hierarchy of needs uh, model, then, you know, I only operate from the top of the pyramid which is the self-actualization thing, right? So I don't need anything else. I already have everything. So now it's about me proving to the world something, or mainly proving to myself. Uh, the world doesn't give a shit. Uh, so <laughs> we have, there are like, the, the way I see it is we have multiple Olympic games, if you will, happening at the same time. And we can each choose which game we are playing, you know? I can be the most eco-conscious person in the world. And, you know, that's the Olympic games I'm playing. Or, uh, you know, you, you choose the game you want to be part of. Obviously, you can choose no games at all. So I have chosen to play the game of capitalism. And so I'm trying to win that capitalism. And it's kind of like if all these people all around the world are, you know, playing this game. And uh, so am I as capable as you know the best of them or am i you know worse and so so kind of trying to prove myself that i can do it i can win at this game you know i can get a maybe not the gold medal because you know bezos has the gold medal <laughs> like uh you know i can i can i can have a you know a result that i'm proud of so that's one so just me me racing against the world and two is more of this protector um, provider type of thing. So I have a family, I have two kids, you know, taking care of them, setting them up uh, for success, taking care of my, my own retirement as well. So that, that aspect as well. Well, um, and this is a good time to welcome Nick back to the podcast after a couple of weeks hiatus. He gave birth to his second child, but well, his wife did, but uh, welcome. All right, congrats. Welcome, Nick. welcome back, Nick. Yeah, I didn't do nearly as much work, but I was definitely there. Definitely there. Uh, thank you for sharing that as you did, Pepe, because I, I, that's definitely something that's jumped up for me. You know, like I've got a two-week-old and a, and a four-year-old, two daughters. And that balance you just shared is is really well articulated for me. Thank you. Of the, what's the best version of me that I can speculate myself to the world, but really just to prove to myself, to, to continue to create and become the best version of that, but also at the same time, allow the, the legacy of me to continue through providing that for my children, providing that for my, later on in my life and, and creating that version of it. And I think, so I can just do more of number one. And if like that, the more that that's done back to the hierarchy of needs, the more that that's taken care of, the more free the creativity reigns for the first version of the best, the best version of how I can play that game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious, Pape, about the the capitalism because I've yeah when I, yeah when I first 
became a coach, that was the biggest hurdle I overcame was um, I, I wanted to align with meaningful work, right? And capitalism, there's a couple of different views of capitalism, but I, I, I happen to think very, very positively of it because capitalism means everybody wins in my, in my definition of it. So it's interesting to hear you frame it like, like it's a race or like you're competing, but in a sense, your, your businesses that you're creating, you know, have to work. You sure there's competitors, right? But there's also a sentiment of working together or, or identifying uh, the proper way or the most valuable way to produce um, in, in a particular, in particular industry. Do you find that to be true? Well, for sure, you need to, in order to grow your business and grab market share, you need to add value. So what you, what you do actually needs to be useful and wanted. You know, there's, there's no way around it. Uh, and when I, when I phrase it as like competition, it, it's more like me, you know, only have this one life or like as, well, as far as I know. And so one, one shot at this, this experience on this planet Earth and uh, just want to feel what it's like to build a successful company and uh, one and uh, multiple and also you know all these people like I in my course of my you know career I have met many very successful people a lot of them actually not particularly smart uh, and so that's that's been very motivating for me this douchebag can do this <laughs> I should be able to do this, you know, it's like an enabler. Uh, and so, so in, in a way it is competition, like, am I worse? So these guys are all like, you know, have this achieved this, can I not have this too? Um, so obviously that competition only happens in, in my mind. It's not like a real thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm curious. So what is that? What does it take to operate at that level? And then maybe another question uh, to piggyback that is, what do you have to be extra aware of uh, when, you, when you want to achieve that level or that status? Well, I'm, I'm, it's not like I actively think about this stuff all the time. Mainly I'm focused on task at hand, you know, like building, building my businesses and then uh, focused on, 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 on that side of stuff, you know, like, am I working on the right things? Am I, you know, like business strategy? So that's, that's mainly what I'm, I'm focused on. So it's less about the competition. That's kind of like the back of my mind somewhere. But actively, I'm actually thinking about tangible things like what, what do I include in my next product release and like what is the strategy that I'm pursuing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you think of that, Coach? Because a, a lot of what we encounter is making sure that's aligned, right? We, we want the work to be purposeful. And part of that comes from identifying uh, the reasoning behind it. That's why I asked the first question is, you know, why? Um, because I, th I think that answers a lot about where we're going too. Do you find that to be true, coach? Yeah, I, I'm really pondering this because I, I love the, the competition thought process here because I, I think about the, the milestones and the outcomes uh, in, the same kind of, in the same kind of vein. Like, it's helpful to know that we have an outcome because if we, if we don't have something to aim for, we're not, we're not going to know that when we've got there. And if we're not tracking milestones along the way, then we can't track and see progress and feel good about that. At the same time, they're not the reasons why we do things. The reason why we do things is, is the journey itself. So I get the same thing for me. It's like, well, I think that's what you're saying, Pepe. It's like, okay, I, I'm aware of it. I use it to drive and track and take some place of comparison, even though it's not an active thing. 
I do it enough just so I can come back to focus on what's real around the business strategy and at the, the next action I take. Does, does that resonate with you, Pep, in the same, in the same way? Basically, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm curious, and I'm sure you get asked this, but um, in, in my research, the number one most influential conversion rate optimization expert in the world is, is who? That's you? Well, it used to be me. I'm not an active practitioner anymore. Okay. So, and how did you, how did you earn that? By putting myself out there and busting my ass. So if you're, you know, my, con my consulting company, um, now called Spiro, when I launched it, my strategy from the get-go was like, understand what, you know, a understand what business you're in. And if you're in consulting, you're in the business of expertise. If you're in the business of expertise, you need to do things, uh, well, you know, you need to do many things, but some of the very key ingredients are that a, you need to position yourself a as a person to be the number one expert, because when people hire agencies, consulting companies, they hire names, people, you know, obviously if you have a huge brand, like it's like PwC or, you know, McKinsey, that's a different thing, but like most of us don't have such a huge yeah. established brand name. So, so you go after the, who is the best at? this thing. So I need, and it's much easier to brand a person than a company. And so I made it my goal to make a name for myself. Mm. Uh, and so how do you position yourself as the world's greatest expert? You tell people and not that, Hey, I'm, I'm the shit, but by demonstrating expertise. So I was blogging like my life depended on it. I was speaking at every conference that would have me, I would uh, present at every webinar that would have me be a guest at every podcast, you know, things like that. So just constantly putting myself out there year over year, uh, actively pursuing that. And obviously working on your actual expertise too. You can't be just a talker. So actually doing the work, being in the weeds, constantly trying to get better. And then can I tie that back to that question around like noticing the other people that have been successful that aren't that smart and going, okay, I can do this as well. And if, if it wasn't about that, what, what are the things or the principles that you pulled out that, that, that need to be enacted in order to get success? Can you phrase that in another way? Yeah, absolutely. The observation that you shared was that the people that you saw that were successful weren't really that smart. So that wasn't the, the common denominator. What has been? What do you see as the attributes of successful people? If it's not, it's not. Mm, well, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, being, being highly intelligent helps, but it's not a prerequisite. I think when observing all the people that I, I know, they're just ambitious and fearless. I mean, probably not fearless, but ready to do it anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. So being extreme pro, extremely proactive, so taking responsibility and just Keep keeping at it, you know. So persistence, grit, if you will, and uh, being ambitious, like taking up bigger and bigger goals. Like, yeah, I can do that. You know, being confident, self confidence is huge. Um, I think those as success principles really work. Uh, like that arrogant asshole who drives a Ferrari. You know, like that confidence has 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 played a major role. 
to get that person where, where he is or she is. It's almost like that might not necessarily, that won't keep them there, that, that arrogance. Like it, it maybe came from their success, but that's maybe not why they, they arrived to where they were. And some of right, it might also take them down. Like that's the WeWork founder story, right? The, the crazy madman, right? Like if you read that story, he thought he's like godlike genius and probably that inner confidence brought him to where he is and that but also brought on the demise of we work of course he still made it out like fucking rich <laughs> so he did good yeah <laughs> this back to the principles of why you do what you do and to think about the capitalism part the money part of it right it's there's there's very many uh different polarizing views about what why money is important is money important what does it mean uh it's for me it's interesting to see all those different things i think about it like it's it's not everything but it's certainly part of the equation and the equation you can generalize about what should be is part of that equation but it's going to be different for everyone right you can mm -hmm. model success and use those principles of ambition and persistence and confidence self-confidence maybe bordering on arrogance to get some of that success and utilize those things that people have done before but the the continual fulfillment that version of it which actually brings you peace where you can look back and go that was great it still continues to be great and i know i made a difference like that that balance together uh, i believe uh, is important to think about right like, so what's your thought about that in terms of uh, how uh, people should think about money in that equation well, uh, I like to always say that the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Yeah. You know, like if you, 10 years ago, I was dreaming of the success I have today in terms of like the money I'm making. Today, I think what I make is nothing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, not, not nothing, but like I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm well off. Um, so to an extent, I think like your satisfaction about life and peace, it's it, it cannot come from external things. Mm. Uh, it needs to come from inside you, like otherwise, like it's never enough. You know, always need more more houses and more billions and uh, more Bentleys, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> um, so it, it, the the hunger in the end, the the peace peace needs to come from from the inside. And I mean, there is a practical level of uh, wealth, you know, like taking care of everybody, you know, and, you know, be, be sure that, you know, your offspring doesn't go hungry or and they can get good education and all that stuff. And like basic comfort, you know, like I can travel and, you know, things like that. Like, I don't need palaces in every country, you know, I don't need a base style, you know, $60 billion or whatever, like that's crazy town, right? Like, what do you do with that kind of wealth? I don't know. Like you start saving the world, I guess. Um, so. I don't have a specific dollar amount in mind. Uh, I actually, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I have like certain milestones where I'm thought like if I achieve this, like if I build a hundred million dollar company, I will be proud of myself, you know, kind of like this. And then I, and I can retire and write a children's novel, you know. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to hear how this ties into what you're currently building, babe, because you have a lot going on right now, right? So if, if you wouldn't mind, tell us more about that. Yeah, well, I have three businesses. Um, I have an agency, consulting company, uh, that is uh, doing customer experience, 
conversion optimization consulting uh, mid to large enterprises. There, I am currently mainly serving just as a board member. Uh, I mean, I, I'm the founder and I took it to a place and then handed it over to a capable team. And then I have a e-learning company, CXL, which uh, I started in 2016. Uh, so there I'm still still the CEO of a very strong management team as well, who are uh, taking care of a lot of the day-to-day. -day. So uh, at CXL, my involvement is not uh, very tactical for the most part. Uh, sometimes it's more strategic, you know, direction setting, vision, uh, setting the standard for how ambitious we are, keeping my, you know, uh, management team accountable, things like that. And then there is Winter, a SaaS company that is a, a fairly new company launched in May 2020. And here I am also the CEO, but here I'm very tactical, very, very hands up. This is early stage, small team. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm doing little small things like I'm typing up the newsletter and, you know, <laughs> doing less customer support and sales calls. I'm, I'm doing a lot, very hands on. But here with the SaaS company, each company that I've built has been more uh, sophisticated and I think smarter than the previous one. So consulting company is the easiest to start because all you know, all you need to start a consulting business is you need to know something. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, no capital needed. Just laptop and you need to be good at something. But it doesn't scale, right? It's, it never scales because it's very human, human heavy, you know, because you know, whatever your pricing model, you, you're still trading hours for time. Yeah. Uh, the e-learning company is already a smarter business because it's very scal it's scalable. Uh, it, it has its other, uh, another set of issues where um, the value to time to value. So how soon is it that people get success from the product? So it's like they take a course and it takes, you know, our courses are very extensive. So, you know, anywhere to eight to, to 100 hours of content. So you need to make time to go through the content, then implement, then get results. There's a huge lag time and most will fall off before they see results. So I'm relying on other people to do the learning and implementation to see the results. Uh, and it has, it's challenging in that sense. Uh, the company is great and growing year over year. Um, and then my, my uh, sales company winter, the time to value is very fast, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's what I love about it. And then, and, um, how, how scalable. Know, uh, so basically I think this SaaS company, while it's the smallest right now, it will be by far the biggest. That's what I was going to ask is, is how scalable is winter? It's infinitely scalable. Um, yeah. So it, and it's, it's also, there are many, many business things that I've done right there. I mean, it's completely unique. It's innovative. It solves a massive unsolved problem. Like there are all the things that are kind of like missing from these other companies. The winter checks all these boxes. So, you know, as you get older, hopefully you get also wiser. You learn from experience. You know, I am an extremely proactive person. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the classic starter. Ooh, uh, uh, there's a problem. Let's fucking fix it right now. Let's go. It drives my wife nuts because she's like this. Think carefully and make a plan. And then like, like think, oh, let's, let's discuss. And I'm like, right now. And of course, by going right now, you make, you make mistakes, meaning it's not completely thought out and all that stuff. But there's another success principle, which is 
speed. There is massive, massive underappreciated advantage in moving fast. Uh, 80-20ing fucking everything, almost everything, you know. So it doesn't. You don't need to know. You don't need to have a perfect plan almost ever. Just go, just go and build as fast as possible. And this is also this is true in business. This is true in uh, like human interaction. Like um, years of doing kickboxing has taught me. It's like you can completely overwhelm the opponent with speed. You go at the at the guy so fast, like they don't know what's coming. Uh, if you're not trained in this stuff to, to be comfortable, like noobs they'll they will be shocked and you'll just own them in, 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 a, in a second so it's the same same type of mindset in business you just super ambitious move super fast you know that gives you success coach i know that lit you up over there with the kickboxing right that hit home for you yeah i've practiced muay thai for many years uh, I, I, absolutely right like it's you can, just, you can just overwhelm people. Like you, don't, you don't you just move straight in and just go go for what you need to go to. And I, I believe it's so much of iteration, iteration, iteration. Anything like anywhere you want to do, you can get most of what you want. Eighty twenty, as you said, everything. Like the, there's so much power in that, and just being okay with that. That's the right thing for right now, and whatever happens along the way, we'll pick it up as we need to. And like there's, we in coaching we talk a lot about like the balance of where people are and what people and what people's thought patterns on we believe that there's three primary things we think about and that's number one people number two action and innovation and number three structure and process and and it sounds like that you're all about that the innovation and action and perhaps your white is more about the structure and process right but we all need all these things and being aware as we can of what we need in what moment and pulling on the levers go right now it's all about action and innovation that's my default that's what i like to be and by the way i'm the same I, I, it's just just to go do that and then that will give us most of what we need. Then we'll have more information. If we need to step back, maybe I'm going to hand that off to someone else who prefers to do that stuff. And then let me know when it's time for action again, because I'll be pushing you to do that anyway. And just having that awareness across the team and just as you for yourself, we find it so super powerful. You know, like to be able to have that construct. Mm -hmm. So speed, speed compounds. Like you do one mm. thing fast, you do everything fast, and then yeah. just, you just move faster. And also, then the same same way slowness compounds if you do one thing slow you do another thing slow and then everything is delayed and you just make much less progress and i really love this quote by the race driver uh uh mario andretti uh that if if you if the things feel under control you're not going fast enough you know like every time i'm like oh this is comfortable coasting oh shit that means i'm not ambitious enough you know, oh, you know like cruising uh, I for sure, because and then I, I believe what happens then, because when we get into that comfort, this slow fog comes over us. And as someone that's always driving forward, maybe you haven't felt this so much, but I, I see a lot of people in this place where they're, they're comfortable and then they don't get that reminder. They haven't got that Andretti quote there. And this slow fog comes over and then you don't really see it. And then you're in the fog. And once you're in the fog, that's all you can see. It's like, I'm just it's nice, it's a nice comfort blanket. And I'm just I'm just in this place. Everything's good. And that's a dangerous place to be because it takes a lot to shake you out of that yeah and and it's interesting about decision making as well because like why people are afraid of making decisions fast and moving fast is like what if i make a mistake right what if it's a wrong decision so that's why they want to plan and discuss and measure and whatever whatever and i i stumble upon this interesting study on decision making so people were keeping um decision logs like 
I made this decision, you know, on Tuesday and this decision. And, and, and so they're keeping these logs on every small and big decision they made. And then three, six, and 12 months later, they, they look back at their decision and they ask themselves, was this the right call or not? And across all these people part of the study, like 90% of the decisions they made, or more than like almost all of them, 97% of decisions were the correct decisions. So that's not to say that everybody is making right calls. Right. It's just that uh, whatever you decide retroactively feels like the right call. So hence, there is no really downside in moving fast and deciding. Decision-making is progress. And you know, like you, you meet these guys who are like, wasted their youth doing drugs and by lying in the ditch for 20 years. And then they, you talk to them, it's like, yeah, man, I regret nothing. You know, like I learned all these things. Like we, we don't regret our decisions for the most part. Right. So just dive into them. I love that. Yeah. One thing I, I say, the most important thing about decisions is making them. Yeah. It's not about which one you make. It's about making them because if it is the, if you perceive it to be the wrong one, then, then you'll find out quicker. And then you can exactly. make there's, Jeff Bezos has this amazing uh, two by two matrix about making decisions or the speed of decision making, which is uh, one axis is re irreversibility. So I, how reversible is this decision yeah. and consequentiality. So how impactful that it is. So unless it is irreversible, highly irreversible and highly consequential, in which case you should decisions decide slowly. In every other case, you should decide fast, you know. Yeah, yeah, we, and we work with that all the time, Coach, right? With uh, making decisions just gives us more information to make other decisions. There's no bad decisions. Even looking back on them, if you decide it's the wrong decision, it still gave you information for the right decision to move forward, so. Yeah, and very, very, you know, it's rare that we make a decision that is not reversible. I mean, it can happen, you know, right. but uh, it's yeah. rare. So I'm wondering, Pape, you mentioned, uh, you know, experience is, is huge. And, um, you know, I see the evolution in, in your companies with scalability and, and value and speed. And I'm wondering, like, could you have created winter five years ago would be the first question. And then the next question is what's, what's next? What's after winter? What's the speed of the speed, if you will? <laughs> well, I will never know. I mean, I can say that, oh, yeah, well, now I know all these things. And so I'm a better business person now. And that might be true. But also, maybe I would have just learned faster had I studied faster. Mm -hmm. You know, I would never find out. Because uh, you, you look at, you know, so many founders that start, started a, a huge global company when they were really young, you know. And I'm, I'm not just talking about Mark Zuckerberg and so on. But, like, look at the Stripe founders, right? Uh, super young. You know, I... I I think they were like under 20 when they started it, you know, like one of the youngest billionaires in the world. So, of course, they're, I'm sure they're really fucking smart kids, you know. Um, but also, nobody trained them to be uh, a CEO of a global company, right? They learned on the job. They, they had extreme speed uh, and that forces, forced them to learn. So, I think we can all learn much faster if we're put in a, in a situation where we have to. Mm -hmm. Love that. And so, and so what's, what's next? What's after winter? Maybe that's difficult to answer, but I'm sure you got. Oh something. yeah. So, I mean, I, I thought I'm going to start a company. So every, it was like after running my agency for six years, I started the second company after running that for four years, I started winter and it's like, okay, so 
takes me, you know, less time each time to start a new one. Maybe I should also start uh, a next one right away. And so actually I started building another company at the same time as winter, like, but it, it's like, there's a, there, there's a limited mind space that you have. So as a founder, like when I'm also the founder of these businesses, um, it's, I don't think it's doable really. Um, cause you, you just, they, they need enough attention as an investor. That's different, right? You're like a high, you hire a management team and pump money. And that's, that's a different game. But as yeah. a founder, I, I, I think there's a, there's a natural limit to how many things you can do well at the same time. So right now I'm focused on building uh, winter, which is completely innovative and disruptive in, in many cases. Uh, like there are three really radical things going for us. Like a, I'm building the world's biggest and the best B2B panels. It's like big ass mission there, huge market opportunity. Second, most companies, when we're competing, you know, we're competing actually on brand and messaging, not on features, because it's not possible to, 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 to win the war on features, because whatever you do, your competitors will copy you. If you're an agency, whatever services you offer, other, others can also offer these services. So it's very difficult to be objectively better, you know? Uh, so you compete on messaging. However, there's no data on uh, whether your messaging is working or not. And that is the problem we're solving, which is a huge, huge problem. Uh, nobody else is doing that. And, 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 and third, we're, we're going to now dramatically uh, innovate on how market research is done. So another third big, huge thing going for us. So, so as I said, you know, this winter is going to be the biggest company uh, I've had. Uh, it's going to be a fucking rocket ship. I can feel it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so cool. To, I, can I pull this back to what we, we started talking about energy at the start as we were kind of coming in here and I can see this, some of some of this stuff in, in you right now. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that energy management, like emotional juice, why we do the things that we do. What, what would you say that gives you your drive? What keeps you up late, gets you up early, pulls you through? I mean, I'm just really enjoying the process. It, this is my passion. Right. I, 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 I live and breathe this stuff. Like uh, I'm so interested in it. I'm like, like, I can't get enough. If, if I wouldn't have my family, I'd be doing this all night long, you know, like 24 seven like, uh, but right now I'm actually very organized. I'm only work eight hours a day and then I go and hang out with my kids and wife. So there's a family sets limits. I, I think, which is also healthy because otherwise you would actually probably burn out. But I, I just love this thing. Like every day at the office, I'm in the zone. Like I'm never procrastinated because I love everything I do except anything that to do with you know taxes and finances and so but you can hire people for that you know <laughs> well that's the structure part again so we know that that's not you you're in the zone you're going to be the action the innovation for sure uh, let me uh let me dive into that a little bit if, if maybe because like there's certainly something to be said about being there all the time like loving like live and breathe the stuff you'd be in the office all the time if it wasn't for for the family and you said that that limits you creates some organization do you find that there's, there's more leverage there versus the effort? Because I think this is a lot of people that, that people do is, okay, I need to put all the time in to do something to be successful. No doubt that that is the case, right? The more you put in, sometimes that you're going to get more out. But is there a limit to that? Is there something that you found that having a family balance that actually you yeah, more productive well, in some ways? For, for sure, since I have always the urgency of like, I only have a certain amount of hours a day. Yeah. 
I need to make sure that I'm working on the right things, you know, so, and also create systems where things are moving along, even, even if I'm not able to uh, do it myself. So this, there's this book that I'm sure you guys know, this Who, Not How, that completely changed my mindset of like, uh, when I need to get something done, I don't ask, how can I get it done? I, I ask, who can help me get it done? Or who can do this for me? And that has unlocked how I scale myself, basically. Uh, so I think uh, I work eight hours a day. I think I could get more done if I work 10, 12 hours a day. But there's definitely a hard limit somewhere. Like I had a co-founder who, uh, you know, not not married, no kids, no nothing. So just like work was his life. Mm. And he was constantly burning out. So it was like yeah. pulling all nighters for six months in a row. And then he needed like a two month break to, to recover. You know, like didn't have any juice in him. So I've witnessed uh, firsthand what it does if you don't have a channel to uh, something else going on in your life. I think thing like exercise, of course, is also huge. And then you need relationships and, you know, go go out for a beer with friends, you know, regularly. <laughs> it, you need it. Balance. Balance in all things is key, right? The yin and the yang, for sure. Hmm. Uh, paper, any, anything around uh, exercise or diet or how much of, of your energy balance is focused on that? It's, it's become increasingly huge uh, over the last uh, five years or so. So, I mean, I, I used to be, you know, like in the, in, when you're in your 20s and feeling invincible, you can eat like shit and you know, drink all you want. I mean, alcohol and then your body can handle it. But then when you get into your mid thirties and you, you eat and drink the same way as you used to when you were younger, you, you get fat and weak. <laughs> and so like, oh, that's not sustainable. And so when I was like 35, 36, I found myself very overweight, um, had an exercise in a decade, you know, in a really bad place. And then and something happened also in my, uh, in my life where it was like a wake up call and then i completely transformed my my diet my exercise got into kickboxing weightlifting uh and so i went from i'm the chubby guy in whatever group i'm hanging out with to being the the fittest guy in whatever circle i'm in oh. I'm, I'm wondering if you grew up with like a bunch of siblings like where does this competition bone come from i mean i do have a brother but it was never a competition really with him hmm. I, I'm, I know it's like weird. Like my, my, my father was alcoholic and didn't even work. And my, my mother was just a doctor. And so like, there was no, nothing entrepreneur, entrepreneurial going on in, in my life. Like I had no access to entrepreneurs growing up. Uh, so how I became so proactive and entrepreneurial is just is a mystery to me. I've thought about it a lot. Like what about me, my upbringing uh, or genes like there's nothing it's just a, a fucking fluke maybe i was bored as a kid a lot maybe that did it because there's a lot of evidence that shows that boredom is like fueling your creativity and all that stuff so now i'm, I'm, I'm whenever my kids complain daddy i'm bored i'm like good good yeah <laughs> yeah that's interesting go ahead coach i just love this line of thinking because i if i Pull it back to like 
some uh, ways that we're uh, born, what we're born with, what about what does our genes say, what does our DNA say overall, like what what are we, what do our parents do, uh, and when we're growing up, I, I think all of that stuff is relevant for to an extent and talent as well, but but also that we can't really measure it and, and we can't really understand. Kind of like the question about well, if I started it earlier, what would have been different? Well, we don't know. So on the one hand, it's interesting to explore it. On the other hand, it doesn't matter. So let's just throw it away. So I think about it like if, if I, let's take kickboxing as an example, because that's just on my mind, which we were talking about a little bit. If you, whatever your baseline is, if you start kickboxing when you're five or six years old and you do kickboxing for an hour a day, five days a week, and you do that over a consistent period of 10 years time, by the time you're 15, you're going to be really damn good at kickboxing regardless yeah. of whatever else was before before that or goes after it totally you just you started that pattern and so i think a lot of people wherever they go is just the if it's without intention it's just whatever starts them but like whatever path they go down they continue to go down yeah and you do Absolutely, something yeah. once and you get you get a you get a feedback loop and if that if that if you like some of that you do it again and you do it again and then somewhere down the line someone says wow you're good at that where did that talent come from and you hear that, especially as, as children, we hear that and we take that in and go, oh, I must be good at that. And then we start to think that we're good at that and assume we're good at that. And we do it more that we've got to get even better and it's self-fulfilling. So, so for me, it's more along the line of just choose what it is you want to like you like. What's kind of things that there's a little spark inside of you to go down and then start to explore that. And, and so thank you very much for sharing it because I, that really kind of resonated through that for me, what you shared. It's like something someday that you just thought, okay, the boredom is just allows me to be creative. And then somehow that got, my bet is that got reinforced and it just started being more and more and just created into this like fire of passion that you have now, right? You love it, yeah. do it, live and breathe it. Mm -hmm. Came from a place of developing it. Yeah. Uh, I was, or early on, I was optimizing for, whatever the social circle around me was up to. So in my high school, like I grew up with a bunch of, you know, drinking youngsters. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to drink the most and I'll be the coolest guy. And so I did. And so I was like the president of my own little drinking club, you know, <laughs> getting wasted. And then in college, I joined like a student organization where the, the kids there, they were optimizing for changing the world, making the world a better place. Like they were like about learning and, and being change agents. And, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I started, uh, you know, stuck with this group. And then I noticed how, what do you need to do in that environment to be like successful and rise through the ranks? I mean, I ended up being my local chapter president. I was a national vice president and so on. Uh, so I was optimizing for whatever that group is, is optimizing for. And so that has really carried me, whatever it's like, okay, so now I'm going to be a conversion expert. So what are we doing here, guys? How does the game work? Ah, okay. So expert, write books, blogs. I can outblog you guys. Let's go, you know? Action, speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, you, I think you nailed it, Nick, because out of our negative situations come the good ones, right? And I think uh, out of the space of boredom comes creativity. It's a principle like all the way around. So I, I, I think that's uh, very uh, astute there. Um, so yeah, Pape, I, I'd love to know uh, what you're taking away from this conversation and or you know, what would be just considering where you've come from and what you've accomplished and where you're going, what uh, maybe some others can take away from this conversation. Persistence and keeping at it. 
know, it's no if you if you're chasing, you know, like the silver bullets and like this this one hack that will change me. Like if I only know this one trick, like there is no one fucking trick. Like there are some principles, like move fast and be fearless if you can, and 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 learn and and take risks. Yeah. How, how about this? What, what would you have told yourself ten years ago? Be more ambitious. Be more ambitious. Uh, my initial goals that I set for myself were uh, low. You know? So I think I would have advanced much sooner if I had had like an older mentor somebody tells me like no 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 aim higher you know mm -hmm. yeah sometimes we're, we're victims of our own limitations we, we sell ourselves short to what we can accomplish yeah yeah so if you if you learn what you're capable of just over time it just it takes a long time you know so learning through trial and error takes too fucking long and it's too costly so ha having some learned through others experiences and, you know, through books and stuff as well, but having, you know, like a mentor or, or a coach really can, you know, propel you somebody who's, you know, who's been there and done that and say, Hey man, you, you can do way more. You know, mm. that's, that's a message that I think younger, younger people need to hear. Mm. Appreciate that. What a great plug for us. Thank you, Pape. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, how about you? Well, I just wanted to explore that for a second if I go down that road, Pape, uh, if you don't mind. Why do you think that we initially set our goals low? Well, I think it's the, um, the Roger Bannister effect. Like, you, you don't know what's possible, you know? And if you, once, once you achieve something, then you, you, you start believing, oh, it is possible, you know? So somehow exposure, you know, to what's possible and believing that you too can be whoever, you know, need to work on that. Yeah. It, 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 I ask because of that reason, that's definitely what I see as well. You know, it's people, I'll often do some exercises around asking people to create the future that they want. Like just, Hey, we've all done this type of exercise. Throw it out a few years, paint the picture. Just like, what would it be? Like, what's the best version of it for you? And some people can do it because they practice. And oh, back to the decision making, right? Part of that is just building the muscle. If you don't make many decisions, it's not likely that you're good at it. There's no muscle there. Like, you can't go in. You can't go into a kickboxing session and, and be able to throw like ten minutes of jab crosses. You know, like, if you haven't done it before, yeah. Right? Like, it's it's a it's fresh practice and same friends like building building the decision muscle part of that and so same thing with setting goals casting a vision if you haven't done it before it's not likely it's going to be there and the first version of it tends to be something that's just a little bit better than we are now it's amazing how much we underestimate what we can achieve over the longer term mm -hmm. because we base it on what we think we can get immediately but you want to extrapolate exactly. that out and use the principles of compounding uh, and I, but I love what you said earlier about persistence, keeping at it again and, and facing the silver bullet. For me, it screams at me. It's like, hey, there's not a silver bullet, but if there was a silver bullet, the silver bullet would be that there isn't one. Stop looking for it. But there's not one, so don't. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's that like mentality. It's just take, take everything else out and just do what's in front of you and do it in a place where you can get excited about it and, and use that some inherent... Uh, excitement about what you are doing but because there will be times when it's difficult there will be times where 
things don't go your way. It's like if you've got that inherent belief and fire in you that passionate about what you're doing, you'll get through it. So it's just about making sure that your ladder's against the right wall. You'll keep, you'll keep going up. And so that's what I'm that's one of the things I'm taking away there, coach. Any response to that, Pete? I know you saw your thinking there. Yeah, I think there's I agree with, with what you said. And there's in terms of like achieving let's say business success, there is a thing that you might be working on the wrong thing. You know, like yeah. um when I I realized like the limitations of my my agency, uh like I, and like if I, if I want to get to a certain financial success like okay this is not the vehicle that will take me there like i think don't be afraid to either abandon ship or start a new ship like if you have something that's working get somebody to manage it you know and then you start up a, a new thing yeah a lot of what we see with successful startup founders you know they have built one great company become famous like a oh, massive exit you know and then with now with all the context they have and all the money they have, they're going to start the next venture and it doesn't fucking work. You know, they're, they're doing the wrong thing. So there is, you know, there's a, there's some luck involved there. So it just goes to show that if you have, if you achieved luck or a success in, with one thing, doesn't mean the next thing will also work. The same thing. If this thing that you're working on hasn't fucking worked, just do something else. You know, it just might be the, Wrong timing, wrong idea, whatever it is. You know, there's countless examples of how successful people, all these other things that they did before that failed, you know, mm -hmm. being them, you know, like the Harry Potter uh, author or, you know, all these other people, like million stories about that. So, so working on the right things, like I, I, have, I have somebody in my, um, somebody close to me that I know. And how he's a smart guy and, you know, like reading and developing and like just his business is not going anywhere, but he's, it's like sunk cost fallacy. He's been doing it for 15 years. He's like, it's hard to give up. And there's, it's not like a zombie company. It's, it's working, but it's, it's not going anywhere. So mm. I've been trying to tell him like, just leave this, do something else. But it's mm. like, no, and it, that's limiting. Yeah, it's like it's that middle of the road part, that comfort zone again, right? It's like it's I can't leave it because it kind of works. It's not too painful that I, it's easy to give away. Yeah. It kind of works. And that, that last point that you shared uh, before that uh, around like just just jump out, like if you see it's not working, it maybe it's just not the right idea. That's so important as well, especially for people to look at that and go, oh, that didn't work. It must be me. Mm -hmm. It's not right. Like it, it, it's just that that idea. Like it just might be a timing thing. Like you said, it could that exactly. idea. So that I had I had a SaaS company, two thousand nine. I started it, killed it, two thousand eleven. Poured my heart and soul in it. Like I tried so hard, and nothing worked. I mean, the minimal success was like basically I had to kill the company. I started my next company. I had instant success, and success was easy because just that what I was doing worked. Like it was a better idea. Right. It brings us back to decision making is is progress. Just just yes. deciding because then you you figure out more of, of the right things, even if even if it's the wrong decision. So, and, and coach, I love where where yours uh, ended up here because over my shoulder, this one is my vision board. You know, I have things on there that I want to accomplish in the future that just seems so crazy to me, but I'm I'm putting that principle into into practice with like. 
I'm not, I'm not going to set my own limitations, whatever I want to have, which would be great to have uh, time on that scale is such a long period of time. I'll figure it out along the way. I just want to have it and I want to attach myself to it and I'll, I'll figure it out as I go. A lot of decisions in that process and speed. Yeah. Love it. Any, any last uh, contributions, gentlemen, this has been really interesting. Appreciate you both here. Persist. Keep going. Decide with some speed and then keep going. That's the formula. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, the, yeah. Any time we fail was when we give up. That's it. Love it. Hey, thank you for joining us. It's been a really interesting and intriguing conversation. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Much appreciated.